Hi, friends. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the continued That Sounds Fun Christmas party. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so glad you're here with us. If you're just new to this party, take a tour around the room. If you will look around, you'll see Ellie Holcomb is here. And John McLaughlin's here. We got some great musicians. The gals from She Reads Truth. Danielle Walker, one of my very favorite cookbook writers. And the music playing for you in the background is from our good friend, Mr. Dave Barnes. His album, December to Remember, is one of my very, very favorites. Today's episode is brought to you by a couple of our friends, but we just want to make sure to thank Prep Dish for being a part of the show. And we'll tell you more about them in just a minute. Today on the show is one of my favorite uh, long-distance pastors, one of the guys that I look up to and just love the stuff he has to say. And listen, I'm not kidding you when I say that my friend Kate and I, who was in my office, we both got teary just in the recording of this podcast with Banning. It is so, um, the only word I can think of is it's just thick. It is just thick with information and Holy Spirit and words and just knowledge and lots for us to learn. I'm going to listen to this one multiple times. Banning Leapshire is the pastor of Jesus Culture, the founder and pastor of Jesus Culture Church out in Sacramento. You probably know and love some of the Jesus Culture worship music like I do, and Banning is the pastor out there. So we share a bunch of mutual friends. You know how it goes. The only people I'm bringing on the show here are people that I'm friends with or wish I was friends with, and and Banning fits in that category 100%. I'm just so proud to be friends with them and um, love being around them when I get to see them. And today he's going to bring you some real beautiful thoughts on faith and on God and on Christmas. And so I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. So I like to warn you when I think it's true, this is a note-taking one. So have your phone ready, have your journal out. Maybe the first time listen through, the second time take notes, whatever you want to do. It is a really, really good one. I think you're going to love it. So here is my conversation. This is like that point in the Christmas party where where you've been there a little bit and you like dive deep with someone standing over up beside the like um, punch bowl. And that is what we did today with banning. So here is my conversation the serious one over by the punch bowl with Banning Leapshire. Banning, thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. Great to be on. I it really, it, it's an honor to be on your show and all that God's doing with this podcast is pretty incredible. Oh, you're really kind. It, and it's a Christmas party banning. So every Christmas party needs a pastor, right? Isn't that part of the deal? Yes, that is part of the deal. Absolutely. <laughs> Although I feel bad being at a Christmas party when, uh, you know, I'm not the guy who listens to Christmas music or starts drinking eggnog in December, but... What? You don't listen to Christmas music? Ah, uh, listen, I know. Listen, my my wife is like diehard Christmas. Kim, yeah. you know, Kim Walker-Smith, yeah. diehard Christmas. Everything's like diehard Christmas. And I'm like, all right, okay, you know. I don't think you should put your Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. I think somehow that's immoral. Okay. And I don't have any biblical proof for that. But, uh, you know, so, but I'm glad to be on your Christmas podcast. Yeah, I am out of town. I'm out of Nashville for 12 days of December. And so I took that as my personal opportunity to back Christmas up by 12 days decor wise (laughs) in my house. So I decorated 12 days before Thanksgiving because I thought Uh I earned that. Do you, I mean, can, no, you, can you feel that I, with me? No. Well, as a, as a pastor, I, I'm not officially your pastor, so I don't feel like I should speak into these type of things in your <laughs> life. So, <laughs> But you kind of are, Banning, because I listen to the podcast. You're one of the pastor voices. I think anybody who only has one pastor voice in their life in 2018 is probably not doing this right, right? Agreed. It's it's true. There's definitely you definitely have access to more than one pastor voice. That's the yeah. Truth. Tell me who pastors you. Oh, uh, who pastors me? Well, obviously, I come from um, I come out of Bethel Church in Reading, so that's where I was for man. Uh, well, I was there for even longer, but 18 years I was on staff. So uh, you know, some of the fathers up there would definitely have a, a voice in my life. And then you know, there's a guy named Danny Silk. I don't know if any yeah. of you guys would know Danny. Uh, but Danny's a, he, you know, he's here with us in Sacramento. He moved with us and he's a huge, huge pas- pastor in my life. And uh, it's just been a, a huge advocate for me, encourager, challenger. He's the guy that doesn't let me get away with stuff either. You know, yeah. I'll come and have a problem with something that somebody did. And, and he never, he's not a great pastor in this capacity when I'm looking for him just to be, feel sorry for me. Right. He looks at me and is like, <laughs> well, Maybe you need to grow up. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now. I'm yeah. not looking for you to tell me what I did wrong in this situation. That's right. So, yes. And then I've got peers in my life, too. Honestly, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Eric Johnson is up at Bethel and a guy named Phil Manginelli. 
There are yeah. some peers in my life that definitely, although not older than me, speak into my life and um, challenge me and and have input in my life. So yeah, I was telling you, Phil is is one of the pastor voices in my life, and I, you know he'll call me and say, "I see two things you're doing right and one thing you're not doing right." I mean, like he is. It is so important to me that there are a couple of men and women that have access to saying what makes me unhappy. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And I think it is what keeps us safe. If I have separated myself from wise counsel, if I've separated myself from covering, if I've separated myself from people being able to speak into my life, or if you have to come with a strong, if I'm always the biggest person in the room, or if I am the one that can out talk you, out argue you, out lawyer you, then there's a real problem. There's a real problem. And I, and I think humility is connected to the ability to listen and let people speak into your life, even when they maybe don't come completely correct. The ability to let somebody speak into my life, I, I think is connected to humility. And what I want is grace in my life. So yes, me and you are on the same page. I agree. So talk a little bit about that word covering, because I think it's really interesting for me as a single woman who runs a business. It's a very um, sticky spot because I'm not technically still under my dad's covering because I don't live there. And, you know, but I also don't have a husband and the Bible would historically say that that is your covering. So, you know, thinking about single people, men and women, because men don't have a husband as a covering kind of thing either. So, so when you are teaching about that idea, the covering idea, what would you say to single people? Well, first, Annie, and I really mean this. I love that you're even talking about the single issue. I, I think the church has not done a great job with the theology of singleness and have, hasn't done a great job in addressing that and helping people walk that out. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I think First Peter 5, 5 talks about that younger people, and that's not just talking about teenagers. It's not just talking about, you know, kids. Younger people be submitted to your elders. Um, and, and then it says, yes, all of you be submitted to one another. Uh, and clothe yourself in humility for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So I think that the way I'll, I live my life is I I want to have um, elders in my life, covering in my life, and I want to be submitted to them. And that word submit, if you do a, a you know a word study on that, it's a pretty intense word. It's not a casual word. So I want to submit to elders and then I want to submit to community. So in my life, I always try to have covering in community. And so if if, if you're single, you can still have that. Where Who are the leaders in your life? Who are the ones that can speak in? Who are the ones that you trust more than yourself? This is a big one. A lot of people don't have covering because you know they, they'll listen to somebody, but they just kind of trust their, their own insight. They trust themselves. They trust their level of wisdom. So I think it's less about whether you're married or not. It's less about whether you live at home, but do you have people in your life who you've actually submitted your life to? I have, I'm a, you know, I'm a grown man. I pastor a church, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm in my forties, but I still have people in my life financially that I've submitted to. And, and the thing is, is a lot of people I, I like, I bring big decisions, not every decision I'm making, but my, my financial life is submitted. My marriage life is submitted. My personal life is submitted. I have people in my life that are, that know what's going on with me and that are able to speak and give direction. And uh, it's a choice I make. So many people, the word, the word submission or the word covering feels so controlling or they've had it abused before. People have used it to control them. Or, and, and I don't, it's been abused before, you've been controlled by before, but you can't run away from it because of that. And for me, it's a choice I make. Nobody's forcing me to have covering in my life. Right. Nobody's forcing me to allow people to speak into my life and for me to trust them. That's a choice I make because I realize the benefit of it. And when I make decisions and when I live outside of counselors, it is unsafe. Right. When I make decisions and live with counselors and covering, it's safe. And I just have learned that. So, you know, whether you're saying, I would say, even if you're married though, you know, you need to have covering in your life as married, you yeah. know, you need to have covering and that's, that's stuff you welcome in. So elders, elders in your life and community in your life, I think are a big deal. Elders. That's a great way to put it because every church needs elders. Do you have elders in your life? You know, one of the things that culture tells us a lot right now is you can take care of yourself 
and you should take care of yourself. And so then like, I, I mean, this literally just happened to me last week where it, to use the language, one of the elders in my life said, if I can use all my relational equity with you, I'm asking you not to do this about a certain experience, a certain thing. And I went, man, he, for starters, he's never said that before. And for seconds, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do what he's saying. But he has been an elder in my life for years. His wisdom has always panned out in my life. And what he is asking me to do is matching what other elders in my life are asking me to do. He just feels more strongly. And so I go, okay, you know what? If literally everyone who's wiser than me in my life is saying, walk away from this, I should probably not do what I feel and walk away from this. Well, what you're saying is it's so important to live like, because if you look biblically, one of the main ways, it's not the only way. And obviously I'm a scripture final authority guy. Same, so same. just yeah. to make sure whoever, whoever's listening, I mean, scripture is final authority yep. and we base our life on that. But God speaks to us through people. And one of the main ways his voice comes to us is through people. So when I decide that I'm going to pick and choose, that I'm going to kind of like, it's, and it's still like when you give me input and then I am going to weigh it, I'm going to decide what to do with it. I'm still listening to me, not you. And the problem is, is God is speaking through people to me. That's not just the voice of an elder in your life. That's the voice of God in your life. Now, that's a hard one to navigate, and people don't like really talking about that. But to act like God doesn't speak through people, you'd have to tear out a lot of scripture to come up with that. Uh, uh, God speaks through people, and he speaks through community. So lots of times people are like, well, you know, I'm just going to let God speak to me, or God hasn't spoken to me yet. I'm like, he has spoken to you. He's speaking to you through people. You just don't want to listen to it, or you're just disconnected from it. Right. So I think that's why you having to value or at least slowing down. There are times people ask like, well, what if I just got an email literally from a lady in our church, really competent lady, an amazing lady, a leader. And she's really learning about this covering and community. And she's been a little independent, but she's really hungry for it. She said, well, what do I do if people in my life, you know, and again, this is not a free for all. Not right. everybody has access to that's speak right. in my life. That's right. So there are boundaries and there are, you know. But, but anyways, she said, if, if somebody's speaking in my life and what they're saying, I actually feel like the Lord's asking me to do something else. What do I do? Mm. Well, for me, and even in your situation, you know, I'm like, well, just, you have the ability to pause, right? You have the ability to go, okay, there is a red flag that's popping up. There is some resistance to this. So I'm going to lean in some more on this. I'm going to have more conversations. I'm going to wrestle with the Lord on it, whatever it is, but I definitely pay attention to it. And I definitely stop long enough to go, okay, God, something's happening here. If these people who are for me, yeah, <laughs> who have a track record in my life are speaking this and I don't want to do it, what's happening? Yeah. So I love, I love your heart to do that. Well, I'm trying, Banning. I mean, just because, you know, it's very rare that my people take a strong stand. A lot of times they trust that I'm bringing something to them and going like, I think this is what I want to do. And people go, yeah, I think you're probably right. And then this this time people have gone, no, I think I think you need to pump the brakes here a little bit. And I go, okay. And like you said, not everybody gets to speak into my life. The pastors who have earned it, the elders who have earned it, who have been consistent over time, and who I trust that when they are away from me, they are walking with the Lord. You know? Yes. Like I yes. see how I see the fruit of their lives. And then they come into my life and go, Hey, we don't feel great about this. I go, Oh shoot. Okay. Well. If they're wrong, God will make it right, and we will be fine. But I'd rather trust their voices at this point than have to ask for forgiveness from a lot of things later. <laughs> well, that's interesting you're saying that because a lot of times they say, well, what if their advice is wrong? Now, again, we're not talking about anti-biblical. We're not talking right. about immoral things they're telling you to do. But they say, well, what if their advice is wrong? And we're talking about, should I turn left or should I turn right? Should I go that's forward right. or should I stop? That's right. What if their advice is wrong? What I tell a lot of people is, is, hey, lots of times it's not the advice you need. It's the grace you need. So I said, even when you come before the Lord and say, Lord, I am very much trying to follow scripture and what you've told me, which is to submit my life to people. If they're wrong, I still am humbling myself and grace is still a result of that. So sometimes I think God's like, I'm trying to release grace in your life. You're trying to accomplish something or you're trying to get somewhere or you're trying to do something. And these people are telling you not to. 
And you're like, well, what if they're wrong? He's like, well, they may be wrong, but grace is going to be a result of this. And I've just realized in my own life, I need grace. <laughs> like I need grace flowing in my life. And that's almost more important than whatever I'm trying to do. And I think the other thing too, sometimes is, is I'm like, they don't, you know, these are people that don't have an agenda. Like they don't have an agenda. They're just for me. Right. Yes. Like there's no, these people are just for me. If I do or don't do it, it doesn't hurt, help them or hurt them. Right. They're just for me. And I, I tell you what, you're probably like me, Annie. I hate that somebody can tell me no. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate because I'm an intelligent guy. I have thought through this. I right. have prayed about this. I didn't come to this decision lightly. And so when somebody says, I'm not sure that's the Lord, oh man, it drives me crazy. It's brutal. But it's good for me. And I also have found this, that um, I can hear the Lord. What I get stumbled up on sometimes is timing. So it's very interesting because it's like, oh, I hear the Lord. And rarely when I am covering somebody, do I think they haven't heard the Lord. I just think their timing is wrong. That's the interesting thing. It's not time. And I don't like that. But I have found that when when I walk the pace of community and covering, it is always the right pace. And when I walk outside of that pace, and it is slow, and it is annoying sometimes, but that pace is always God's pace in my life. And I think the Lord challenged me one time as well, because he said, I did not like that somebody had control over or what I thought somebody had control over my destiny. Mm. I have a call in my life. I am passionate about that. I've got a vision. I'm going somewhere. And all of a sudden, I'm submitting my life to somebody, not because I get a paycheck from them, because I have a value for it. So I'm submitting my life to somebody, and they now have the opportunity to maybe screw up my destiny. If they make a wrong decision that I'm submitting to, They're going to mess things up. And I could, oh, I hated that. And the Lord really challenged me around this issue that there's no man that's in control of my destiny. He alone is in control of my destiny. And God will get me where he wants to get me when he wants to get me there. And there's nobody, especially when I'm trying to humble myself, (laughs) there's nobody that can stop that. And so we've got to get out of that mode where we somehow think if I listen to this advice, it's going to screw everything up. Yeah. Because God's like, People aren't that big. Yeah, that's right. And if if these people that I've let speak into my life are right, I honored them and honored God by listening. And if they are wrong, I honored them and I honored God by listening. Totally. Right? Like totally. God will yes. fix it. He will not let me miss his best because I'm trying to honor the voices that have been trustworthy in my life. Yes. If someone's like, you know, wants to build an elder board in their life, how how many people do you listen to? Because you can't have a you can't have an arena. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't fully know how to um, say that. I, I can maybe tell my own life. I've got people in my life that I know the Lord has brought. They are people of wisdom. Um, they are both fathers and mothers and then peers um, that I know God has placed in my life. Uh, and, and I listen to them. I don't have a ton of them. But I will say this. It's interesting. I have, um, I don't have a biblical precedence for this, but I've noticed for me that there are different fathers and mothers for different things sometimes. Yeah. Like I said, financially, like I am going to certain people for finances. I'm going to certain people for, you know, health issues. And I mean, talking about internal health, purity issues and, and things like that. Marriage is something. So sometimes the problem with too many people sometimes is that we're trying to find the right person that agrees with me. Yeah, that's right. You just keep adding elders until they're saying what you want to hear. Yes. So I'm going to go find the person that I know is going to agree with me. And I've got 50 people in my life. I don't have that many people in my life, but there are different people in my life that many times play a different role. They're bringing something different. And, And I think when Proverbs says, he who walks with wise men will himself be wise. There is something that when I can walk with somebody of wisdom, their wisdom is my wisdom. So sometimes there is wisdom for marriage. And I've submitted my life to that wisdom that's carried by that individual or that couple. And when I do that, their wisdom is mine. But that, but it might be wisdom in finances or you know whatever it may be. So I call people about my own church. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the phone a lot with people in my life saying, hey, this decision in church or how we're handling this or what we're doing here. So I don't know if that helps, but yes. And I think the idea of fathers, mothers, and peers is a great place to start. Do you have a father voice? Do you have a mother voice? And do you have a peer 
that you have allowed to speak into your life. If it starts with three, if this is brand new and it starts with three, get a father voice and a mother voice and a peer voice that can start helping you make sure that you're submitted somewhere because uh, you just can't trust yourself all the way all the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so true. We have not, and this is this is something that everybody has to realize. God has not given you a 360 degree view of your life. You have blind spots. You cannot see all of your I life. I hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> I know. I, I agree. And if I could see my life, I would need nobody. I say this all the time. If I was a really great singer, I would be the only one on stage always. I would yeah. never. I would lead worship and I would do announcements <laughs> and I would preach. I would need nobody else. Right. But I'm not a great singer, so I need other people. So, And in the same way in our life, we, we I have blind spots. They're blind spots because I don't see them. Right. That's why many times, even this guy who's giving you advice, you have to be able to trust them because you see something I don't see because I have a blind spot in my life. And therefore, if I don't have community that has a different angle, I'm, I don't see it. Therefore, I actually have to trust your insight. I have to trust that what you're seeing is accurate. And uh, I am grateful I've done that. There are many, many times where I did not see it until I trusted somebody else who saw it. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I did not see that. I am so grateful that I did not move forward, make a decision, whatever it was. Yeah, that's I mean, that's it. I hate that feeling. I hate the feeling of blind spots because I my personality and I want to always feel like I, I don't want to be out of control of anything. And you're completely out of control of blind spots because you don't even know them. Yes. Welcome to your relationship with the Lord. Right. You know, I mean, we, we don't like feeling control out of anywhere. So I want to control everything. I want to see everything. I want to trust myself. And then the Lord's like, well, you have to trust me. And I would always say this. It boils down to you don't trust God if you don't trust people. Oh, flat out. That. And we can, we can, you know, sugarcoat this all we want. But the reality is if I'm having a hard time trusting people and listen, people have been victimized. People have been abused. I don't ever want to downplay that. But when I am not trusting people that God has put in my life, I don't trust him. I don't trust that he's going to protect my heart. I don't trust that he's going to get me where I want to go. I don't trust that he's going to protect me. So I, he's not going to protect me. Therefore, I have to protect myself. And so I have to protect myself from this person's advice. I have to protect myself from really trusting that person. But when I'm protecting myself, it's because I believe that God won't protect me. And, and that's where we have to boil this down. I've never met anybody that doesn't trust people that doesn't ultimately not trust God. That's the issue. God will protect me. God will guide me. God will, you know, God will override people's dumb advice. Right. <laughs> right. Or people's bad intentions or whatever else it is. So we got to go deep on. I mean, you got to go and just say, Lord, I, if I'm not trusting you, I want to trust you. I, I can I can trust you with the deep things of my heart. I can trust you with my future. I can trust you with my finances. I can trust you with my kids, all of the things. Yeah. And again, the only way we lose on that is not it not even making the right or wrong decision as as which I'm not even all the way for that language, but yes. the way we lose is not trusting. Yes. The whole game's about trust. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I that's I mean, literally this morning when I was sitting with the Lord, I just went like, I don't know if this is gonna succeed or fail. I just know that you're asking for obedience. And so I'm terrified of that. But if I really believe that this story is bigger than the 100 years I'm going to be on this planet, then I just have to run real hard after obedience, even if I fall on my face, which feels great saying to you right now, Banning. But when it actually happens and I'm crying on the phone with you, it'll be different. And for everybody listening and for me and you included, we have to be very careful that we've defined success properly. Part of people's frustration is, and I would just say, obedience is the entire thing. Yeah. It's There's the thing. nothing else. Like right. it's, it's, it is success. Right. It is success. There's, there's not obedience plus some result is success. Obedience plus whatever, you know, my church is a certain size obedience plus everybody likes me obedience plus my podcast, whatever it is. Right. No, it's just flat out obedience. Right. And if I fall on my face, 
And what I, what I thought was going to work out didn't work out. If I was obedient, there's no other measurement. There's no other measurement. That's it. You know, a, a little bit with this, cause we're driven individuals. Like, yes. like we, we love to influence. We love to go after vision. We love to succeed and we love to produce. We, you know, so we're in that mode, but I remember wrestling in prayer one time, just so with the Lord. And I could tell I was frustrated because my destiny wasn't happening like I thought it should. And I, and I remember the Lord just, you know how he's a loving father that's stern. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was around this issue of, I just realized the Lord doesn't owe me my destiny. He doesn't owe me that. He doesn't owe me that. I owe him everything. He doesn't owe me anything. I didn't hang on a cross and die for him. He hung on a cross and died for me. And so I remember just saying, Lord, uh, you've put something in my heart and I feel there's a destiny on my life and I'm frustrated because things aren't happening like I think they should. But, but let me just stop here and say this, God, you don't owe me anything. If you want me to go be a youth pastor the rest of my life with 10 kids on the backside of some desert somewhere and nobody knows who I am you know, which is a high eye feels like, you know, purgatory. Right, right. And what's your Enneagram number? Do you know what? You're going to kill me because Phil Manginelli has been on this thing with me, but yeah. I actually don't know. Okay. I, th- I think, what do you, what would your guess? I mean, you're talking like a three, but I don't know. Is that what people have said to you? Somebody said that. Yeah. Yeah. Three or something like that. So, yeah. so, but just that thing that says, God, if that's what you're asking of me, then that's what I want to do the rest of my life. Obedience is what I want to do. Not uh, some other form of measuring success. And that's why the beautiful thing is, is I was obedient and I'm going to stand before God one day and that's what he's going to ask me. Yeah. That's Were right. you obedient with what I asked? Not did everything work out like you thought it would. Friends, I really am sorry to interrupt. This is such a good conversation, but I just want to tell you a couple of our friends who have made this show possible today. Samaritan Ministries is a growing biblical community of Christians with 77,000 plus households sharing about $27 million in medical needs person to person each month while sending monthly financial shares directly to other members' families. These quarter of a million members also pray and send notes and cards of encouragement through this effective, affordable, and God-honoring ministry. For the 23 years of Samaritan's Ministries' existence, the monthly financial share has never exceeded $495 for a family of any size and is even less for couples and singles. Mine is way less than that, and I love being a part of Samaritan's Ministries. In fact, Samaritan Ministries member Deborah from Illinois said, I love that we get to be a part of a ministry, helping other believers and sharing in their burdens. And I love getting the opportunity to trust and rely on God through this unconventional means of healthcare. So to learn more about how you can be a part of this community of Christians helping each other with healthcare, visit SamaritanMinistries.org. Also, while I've got you, I want to tell you about my friends over at Prep Dish. I love these guys. You know it. I love Prep Dish so much. It's such a delicious way to get food that is really good, really fun, and really easy to make, especially when you're thinking about the new year, when you're thinking about how to best use your time and your money. So Prep Dish is a meal planning service where every week you get an email with a grocery list and prep ahead instructions so that all of your meals are ready for the week and there's no guesswork needed. So you no longer have to think about your meals. If you have a crazy schedule like I do or lots of people to feed, this is such a time saver. Allison, the founder of Prep Dish, who I adore, is offering you guys a free two-week trial to try it out. I think this is a brilliant way to kick off the new year. You can't beat it. Check out prepdish.com slash Annie for this amazing deal. Again, that's prepdish.com slash Annie, my first name, A-N-N-I-E. And you'll get your first two weeks for free. I think you're going to really love it. And now back to the rest of this really fun conversation with one of my favorite pastors and now one of your favorite pastors, Fanning Leapshire. You and I talked a little bit before there. A couple of different people have reached out to me when they knew we were doing the Christmas party and have said, hey, could could you just talk about when Christmas feels like it's hard? Like when you don't get what you want and Christmas is here again. And to me, almost like, I wonder if I could change Christmas in my mind to an opportunity to reflect on whether I got what I wanted this year or not, was I obedient? Yeah. And, and is the Lord growing me? This is a big one for us. So to use theological stuff, sanctification is this process of maturing. 
So God's trying to mature us. He's trying to grow us that we would look like Jesus. And I think sometimes, I just sat with a, a girl yesterday in her early 20s, unbelievable young woman, really an incredible, has a call in her life, but is going through a tough time right now. She just moved recently. The Lord hasn't felt as close as he did. Things feel a little confusing. She's sad. She doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, you want to come and put your arms around her and say, I'm so sorry. And yet my talk with her is this, is like, hey, to be honest with you, I'd say I'm sorry that you're walking through this, but the Lord's developing a depth in you. He's doing something in you. And so, again, I don't want to downplay. Listen, Christmas, um, our finances are hard. We weren't able to do what we thought. Family is extremely difficult. Um, uh, we've lost loved ones, and it becomes very evident at, at times of Christmas. So, so holidays for many people are painful because they're a reminder of what they don't have, right. or they're a reminder of pain in their life, whatever that may be. I don't have the perfect family. My mother passed away, and at Christmas time, it's obvious. I don't have the money that I would like. I don't have the family. I don't have, I'm not married. I don't have a kid yet, whatever it is. These are reminders for us at these times. And again, I would never want to be callous or cold around that. Those are real difficult times to walk through. But sometimes in difficult times, this is where the Lord calls us to a deep encounter with him, to an intimacy, to a depth in, is my walk with the Lord based around what I have? Is it based around what's in my bank account? Is it based around America's version of happiness? Or is the Lord with me? Is he with me? Is he walking with me? Is he building something deep in me? I think so many times we just have to start seeing from his perspective. Uh, this is why verses in scripture, when it talks about, you know, in James and in Peter, like rejoice in tribulations, count it all joy when you walk through a trial. Man, those verses drive me crazy right. because I'm like, <laughs> I, I know how to suck it up. I know how to put my head down. I know how to get through that trial. Mm-hmm. But but the Bible doesn't call me to get through it. It calls me to rejoice in it. And the only way I can rejoice in it is by understanding he's trying to accomplish something in it. So James, it says, listen, rejoice in trials because... The testing of your faith produces patience and patience is necessary because you're lacking something. And so God says, I don't want you to lack anything, but the only way you're going to get what I want you to get is that you have to allow patience to work in you. And so Christmas comes around and Christmas reveals to me, there are certain things that haven't happened yet. Uh, There are certain things that I'm missing or lacking. And, and the Lord's like, I'm trying to develop patience in you. And patience isn't, you know, it's the thing of trust. We all love the sermons on trust. We just don't ever want to be put in a situation where trust is required. Where we have to do it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I love the tattoo. I love the bookmark. Yep. I love the sermon. I just, because when I'm in a situation where I have to trust God, those are not easy situations. Right. That's when my bank account is empty. That's when things aren't working like I thought they would work. I have to trust God. Same things in patience. We love the concept of patience. We just don't actually want to walk out patience. Uh, or we do, but we have a timeline. Right. That's right. We know We know how long the patience should last. I've been patient for a year. How long do you actually expect me to be patient here? And... um. And I'm like, I don't know, just keep being patient because yeah. the Lord's trying to work something in yeah. you. So let, let me just say, if, if if Christmas is hard because you've lost someone, man, my heart is with you, honestly. I just pray that God would draw close to you. And because Christmas is painful when we have lost a loved one and there's an empty seat at the table, it's just, it is painful. Uh, so let me just, again, honestly, just as friends say, I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss and what you have and just the grieving process. You have to walk out with this. If it's painful because things haven't worked like you thought yet, because it's just evident that the picture that you painted in your head isn't this, man, let God continue to work in you. He's doing something. He's developing something in your life and let him. You won't regret it. Yeah, that's right. I, I had a friend reach out to me the other day and her text just said, 
Um, I don't know what God is writing in this story, but I do know that you're supposed to learn that love is patient. And I was like, okay, that feels true and hard. You know, like, oh yeah, love, like if if I actually love God, I'm patient with the story he's writing. No, you're, you're exactly right. And, and I'm patient because I trust. Like this is the big one, right? Again, I think everything comes down to trust. At the end of the day, I think it's about trust. When I cannot be patient, I don't trust him. I'm impatient because I don't trust him. I don't trust him. Like I repeat myself, I don't trust him with the tender things of my heart. I don't trust him. So I'm impatient and I'm impatient because I want to take control of the situation because I don't like when it's not in my control. So he's developing that trust in us. Yeah, and and I think there was a version of Annie that would have thought trusting God meant believing that he would do what I thought he was going to do. But I think I'm learning, and you can correct me, Banning, you have all the permission. I, full stop. You have all the permission to correct me across the board for years to come. So just so you know that, that's actually just a true statement. You are invited in. You just, if you see it, you say it. But um, but I feel like maybe what is what I've learned about the Lord in the last, I don't know, two years has been trust is actually just believing that he is who he says he is. Yes. And not expecting the story to look a certain way, but believing that he is exactly who scripture says he is. Yes. A hundred percent. I agree with you on that. It is based around his nature and his character. I can try. He is good. He is a father. He is kind. When Jesus teaches on prayer, so much of prayer is based, well, prayer is based on trust. It's not just if you pray, it's if you pray believing. It's not just if you ask, if you ask without doubting. So there's so many things where it's like, don't just ask, don't just pray. You got to believe, you got to not doubt. So Jesus, in order to get there though, Jesus was consistently connecting prayer with the revelation of God as a father. So one of the reasons why why the enemy comes so hard to distort our view of fatherhood And God is a father in our life because in order to fully trust God, we have to encounter his nature as a father, his character. He is who he says he is. That's why um, intimacy is so important. That's why having that personal connection with God where you're learning about, that's why scripture reveals him as a father. This is one of the main revelations Jesus brought. God's a father. Israel knew him as a judge. They knew him as creator. They knew him as omnipotent. They knew him as provider, but but they didn't know him as a father. Um, you know, David revealed that, but they didn't know him as a father. So Jesus comes and says, he's a father. You can call him daddy. Yeah. You can call him Abba. You can relate to him that way. They wanted to stone him for it. Yeah. So that's why it's so important because what you just said is 100%, I think, it. I can trust that he is who he says he is. He is a father. And when I look into his eyes, I can see a God I can trust. And when I read in scripture, this is what comes out. So I love that. Yes, it's beautiful. A hard journey, but worth it. Here's what keeps being true is that the hard roads the Lord walks me on make me who I didn't know I wanted to be, but I do, and make him who I didn't know he was, but he is. Totally, totally. So true. And it like blows That's my mind. Your next, it keeps blowing my mind. Did you write that in your book? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. I'll save it. I'll put it in the next okay. one. There's your next book. No, the entire book, that right there. That That's is, it, right? That is the journey that we are on, whether we are 18 or whether we are 85. And that's the journey right there. And that's why I think as pastors, as leaders, leading people to the father heart of God, leading people to an encounter with God is what is so needed uh, because people have to get to that place. Yeah. I interviewed some kids for a fun like kid podcast about Christmas. And I asked one of the little boys who's four, who are Jesus's parents? Because I wanted him to say Mary and Joseph. He said, well, he has three. Mary, God, and I can't remember that other guy's name. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I thought, man, there may be something to that of like, maybe you've had a story where where the God, the father God you need to remember helps you forget the other names. Yeah. You know, so where true. where yeah. he is, he's the kind of father where when you start listing them out, you know there were three, but you yeah. only remember God as the father. Yes, man. You know there was another one, but but the one that you need to remember is God the father. Yes, he has redefined what I believe about fathering. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's so good. Yep, you're exactly right, though. Does that play out in your parenting? Oh, 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it plays out in my entire life. You know, I grew up, uh, my parents now, I won't tell my parents story, but you know, they're healthy and thriving and, and, you know, heavily involved in ministry and leading people to Jesus. But, you know, growing up was dysfunctional and they would, they would be honest with that. So in my own journey of you know, encountering a father and, and, uh, what fathering looks like. And then as a father with my own kids feeling so inadequate, feeling so, frail and weak and and realizing that my life impacts these kids right but also realizing that i have i have a father that is the perfect father that will both show me the example and then empower my life to be transformed into that you know and then covers my weaknesses too in all honesty i'm not the only father my kids have yeah not to sound cheesy but they have a heavenly father who is um is is a lot better than I am. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things we talk about a lot on the show is the father voice of God and the mother voice of God. Yes. And how if we are all created in his image, he is all things. Yes. And so we can look to him to fill in the gap for us as father because Jesus made that really clear, but he also is a caretaker like a mother. And we can look to him as, as women who will be mothers or are mothers and are looking for that same inspiration and, and example and for women who need repair in their mother experience where they can go, okay, how, what does it look like for God to teach me how to mother? No, you're exactly right. And I think so much of, even as we talk about the Trinity and the different roles, and I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna jump in all that, but I, I'm saying like, even that concept that the Holy Spirit is the comforter and that the Holy Spirit knows how to uh, walk with us in that and teach us and train us. And yeah, completely agree with everything you're saying. Will you talk just a little bit about what it's like to serve your family at the holidays? Because everybody's going to be going somewhere with somebody in the next couple of weeks. And I know that that's something your church at Jesus Culture just has like embraced enough that y'all even have kitchen tools that are branded. Ah, that's awesome. It's so Well, you good. know, we, we just passed out a whole bunch of uh, potato peelers because we handed a whole bunch of potato peelers and then branded them with our name because... So much of what we're describing church as is a family. Church is a family. This is a big thing that we're talking about. That, And I think this has nothing to do with size of church. It has to do with culture of church. Yep. I think there's been a real misconception that if you're a church of 50, and we love churches of 50s and, and, and just champion pastors of 50, you know. Yep. But if you're a church of 50, that's a true family. But if you're a church of 5,000, that's not. And And we just tell our people like, hey, we're family. And we all want that. We want church to be a family. But family, if you really follow that out, it looks like contributing. It looks like serving. It looks like championing others. It looks like laying down your lives for one another. And so I think that the holidays are a really incredible way to manifest that. Again, whether it's your immediate family, whether it's your extended family, whether it's your church family, or whether it's your saved or unsaved family that we just go and lay our lives down for people <laughs> and that we serve and that we love and that we esteem others higher than ourselves. And that we really say, what does it look like for family to manifest? And the holidays, because we are gathering, we're gathering with family that annoys us. We're gathering family that we're excited to see. We're gathering a family that jacks our anxiety. And uh, we're gathering with family that bring peace into us. Whatever the situation is, we're gathering with family and uh, and extended family and friends, but and just the thought of what what am I what can I do to lay my life down and express love and care and kindness and encouragement in that setting, and then we give out potato peelers to remind people of that. I guess yeah, I love it. I love. It. I mean, I heard you do talk about this about what it looks like to serve in your church here at the Belonging a couple of months ago. And I mean, it has, I'm not kidding you, Banning. I think about it almost every Sunday that I serve at my church where I go, okay, so am I Am I for sure peeling potatoes here? Yeah. Am I doing the thing that needs to get done that nobody else is doing right now? Not that it's yeah. more important or less important, just am I, am I in the spot that I need to be in that serves our church and makes us family? And I think about that with my family too. So it, I mean, I think about it so much. I mean, I've, I think I've said this to you, but I've for sure said it on the show before that I think everyone who is plugged into a local church, which anyone who proclaims to be a Christian should be plugged into their local church, but anyone plugged into a local church needs to hear you teach on a potato pillar because it'll change how you serve. Yeah. Well, that's really encouraging. It, it's it, We fall into a trap that we just don't realize sometimes 
in the Western world, American culture especially, it is very much like everything is communicating. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you. But ultimately, that's just not the message of a believer. That's not the life of a believer. Like we follow the example of Jesus and he laid his life down for other. He came to serve. But many times without realizing it, we don't serve because we've got so caught up in this thing of it's not my passion or it's not my calling or it's not whatever else. So what you're talking about with the potato peelers is, you know, I'm, I'm 42 years old and you know what I did last this, this Thanksgiving, I peeled potatoes. It's what I've been doing since I was 19 because somebody handed me a bag one time and potato peeler. But, but the point is, is I don't mind at all. And what I talk about is I don't have a passion for potatoes. I don't have a mandate for potatoes. I don't have a vision for potatoes, but I do have a passion for family. And so if I have a passion for family, then I want to jump in and contribute and do whatever we need to do to have this be the best gathering we've ever had. Mm -hmm. So many people approach the church and they're like, you know, hey, we need we need help setting up chairs or we need help in kids ministry. Well, I don't really have a passion for that. And I just want to go. I don't know what that has to do with anything because it's still about you. It's like, well, I don't feel called to that or I don't think that's my gift mix. And it's still kind of about me in that moment. Rather than just like, hey, if that's what we need to do to make this a great family gathering, then that's what I'm going to do because I have a passion for family. Yeah, I may not have a passion for potatoes, but I have a passion for family. So what I'm doing is less important to that who I'm doing it with and what we're trying to accomplish together. And that's why I think it's so important that you view church as a family. Yeah, It's so important because if I approach it like a restaurant, I'm not asking the waiter if I can help pick up these dishes. (laughs) I paid you money. (laughs) I'm paying you money to do what I don't want to do, which is clean up or cook. But when I'm at a home, it's different. I'm not there paying people money, uh, you know, to somehow do my life for me. And the holidays are a perfect way to manifest this and say, this is what family looks like. Yeah, that's right. Banning, please tell me that's going to go in your next book. I know you're starting writing soon. Are you writing about the potato peelers? No, you know what? Here's the honest, here's the honest truth. I've got another book coming. It's a little bit of a, it's not a part two of my last book, Rooted, but it's in that same kind of spiritual development theme uh, uh, vein. But uh, that book that you're describing, um, it is in me. I want to write it. I want to write on a ton of stuff around church, but I actually feel like I need some more. I feel like we've been going as a church for four years. And I've been in the local church, though, since I've been in the local church my whole life, but pastoring since I was 19. But I feel like it needs some more time in the crock pot for this to kind of really... um, I'm a big proponent on fruit that remains, not just fruit. So not to get on my soapbox right now, but lots of, lots of times people are either preaching theory or they're preaching short fruit. So there's quick success or they're just preaching theory. And part of me says there's a real authority on your life when you're actually preaching, not just theory, but fruit that's remained. This thing has been tested. It's been tried. It's been true. I can show you the the longer term fruit of it. So many of us want to run to short term fruit and so many of our ministries are based around just trying to get short term fruit rather than saying, no, we've got to get fruit that remains. So again, that sells that that sounds pretty like uh, I, I don't know. Sounds like I'm patting myself on the back, but zero uh, percent. It sounds like you're the the wisest dude. People need to hear that because people who are given marriage advice after their honeymoon probably aren't the ones we need to be listening to quite yet. No, this is the, this is the honest truth with this. And 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 this is going to sound again like I pat myself on the back. If you were parenting a teenager when I was youth pastor and I had advice for you, I have three teenagers right now. I have no advice for you. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not joking. People are asking me, they're like, I'm like, I don't know. And yeah. some of this, I remember T.D. Jakes, so brilliant. T.D. Jakes was speaking, a, he was speaking a message and he was talking about this thing. And he's like, listen, I'm seeing people, they've been married for two years. Now they're on a TV show giving marriage advice, you know, but he said, he goes, this was a time when he had teenagers. He said, a lot of people told me, a lot of people told me I should write a book on parenting. He said, I'll write a book on parenting. If I make it through parenting, he said, right now I got an, he goes, I got an eye patch on my arms in a sling. I'm limping and I'm yelling every man for himself (laughs) and in only the best Bishop Jake's way. Yep. But but I, I, I do believe that a little bit. I'm like, well, why don't you get through some of this first, you yeah. know? Yeah. And as pastors, it's hard because we're preaching so much that many times I am preaching 
what I am also walking through. But for me, when it comes to a book, I definitely am like, I don't want to, I don't want to write a book that's either one theory or two hasn't borne some fruit that remains. And I got to tell you what God's doing at our church is incredible. I'm looking around going, this is profound. The depth of what he's doing in the lives of people, but we're four years old. Uh, you know, we're four years old. So I, I don't know. I've actually never shared that publicly what I just shared, oh boy. but, um, but I'm saying I've never had that little point of why I wouldn't write that book yeah, yet and, yeah. and how I think it's important that we actually not just, we, we don't just write about or preach what yep. is short-term fruit. And that's, and that's kind of what happened with my last book banning is in the public, I was doing podcasts every week and I was preaching from stages, but the app that was running in the background was this experience with God that I knew wasn't meant to be public until it had processed, yes. you know? Yes. And so it's finding that difference of like, I'm okay if my podcast audience hears me stumble and fall and process through four yes. or five different things because yes. there's another episode coming in three days and I can fix it. Yes, when so. you have a book in 25 years on a shelf and we don't have Twitter anymore and I'm living in a cabin somewhere and I can't fix it, yeah. I need to make sure that book, when I wrote it, is as true to Annie and the gospel and truth and God as it can possibly be because it's permanent. Yeah. And you're exactly right. And I think that things are developed over time and we've lost that a little bit because we don't live in an agricultural age. There's such instant things like, and let me just clarify this. There are messages and then there are messages with authority. So I can communicate a message, but then when there's an authority on it, it transforms lives. That authority comes from God developing that in you where it's not just, it's not just in your head. It's not even just in your heart. It's in your cells. It's a part of who you are now. We don't live in an agricultural age, but but when you plant a seed, you know, an apple seed, it takes seven years before fruit comes. There are some nut trees that take 20 years before a nut appears on that tree. It's like that seed's planted and it's being developed, but it takes 20 years to develop that extremely expensive nut. Right. And I remember Ian, I remember Ian Bounds, who, you know, wrote oh, a- Oh, we're a big fan of him on here, here on the podcast. We know Ian Bounds. Ian Bounds is a favorite. But in Power Through Prayer, I remember reading this in my early 20s and not getting it, but he says, it takes 20 years to make a sermon because it takes 20 years to make a man. And I didn't get it because I'm like, I am preaching every week. <laughs> like, what? Right. But there's a difference between a sermon there's a difference between a, a sermon I spoke on Sunday and something that God has developed inside of yeah. me that is going to help transform and impact and change people's lives. Right. And listen, you can preach the word of God's going to, if you preach the word of God, it will change lives. But there's also a message that God has given me and that message. And I, I'm 42 and I can honestly say that. Absolutely. It's taken 20 years to develop something inside of me but there's an authority on it now that wasn't on it when I was 25. And I think that that's why we have to be okay with that. We have to slow down. We have to we have to say there are some things God's doing inside in me that I'm not going to teach for years. There are some things God reveals to me that I'm never to teach. Yeah, that's like right. Like we have to slow down a little bit yep. and be okay without constantly amazing people with some new something that he showed me or did with me, or right. I'm trying to blow you away with this revelation or this funny thing, or let God do something in your life and let establish what I would call a secret history with the Lord, a history that nobody knows about. Like let him develop a secret history with you that, that, that nobody knows about that he's working in you. I'm not talking about intimate friends, but I'm, I'm talking about like, it's, it's this you and him in secret being developed, not something for me just to go share with everybody. I don't know that that's my soapbox as well. Ooh, this I is like kind of a, this is like a, this is a podcast for me to get up on a soapbox. That Hey, that is what I brought you here for banning. That is what I like, man. <laughs> and the other thing I would say about that is there are times where God says, tell everybody you're sowing seed, even if they don't get to see the fruit. Yes. Yes. Which yes. is hard. That. And that's scary, but kind of go like, Hey, I'm willing to sow seed in front of you. And I don't know when this fruit's coming. But I'm going to sow seed because I believe that that the God's asked me to put into some of these places, and I don't know when fruit comes. We aren't only supposed to show the fruit, right? Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I agree. Yep. I'm giving you my praise hands emoji. Okay. Okay. Great, Banning. Because the show's called That Sounds Fun, we always end with you telling us something that you do for fun. But 
also at random times, the right answer is if the, if you'd be willing, I would love for you to pray for our people Absolutely. and just pray over the people who know God and the ones who want to know God and the ones who are figuring out if they want to know God and, and just kind of what it looks like to embrace some. I mean, we've covered so many things. This is one of those that I'm going to listen to like four times to get all the pieces, but I, yeah, would you just pray for us and just pray whatever Holy Spirit puts on your heart for our friends who are listening? Yeah, absolutely. Father, this this one thing is what I just so feel in my heart for everyone who's listening. First, God, that they're listening not by accident. You're actually in pursuit of their heart. You're, you're revealing yourself to them. You're a father who's kind and good and loving and wants to reveal yourself to them. They're listening to this podcast today, not just because it's popular, not just because uh, it's out there, but because you're drawing them close. It's, it's a one-on-one invitation you've given them. But God, I'm asking that you would reveal your heart to them as a father. Lord, you're, you're, you desire trust from us, that we would trust you with all of our heart, that we wouldn't lean on our own understanding, but that we would trust you. And I pray that you would reveal your heart to them as a father, that they would see the look in your eyes, that they would have fresh revelation in scripture about how you've revealed yourself to us as a father. And that they would be able to, to really work through that stuff where somehow they're just unwilling or unable or, or struggling to trust you. Even if they've put different language on it, that at the core, it's that I just don't know if I trust God. And I'm asking that you would do that. And Lord, I just say thank you for the gifts of seasons where you're developing that trust in us. And they're not fun I don't enjoy them, but I recognize that you are developing a deeper trust. And that is more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than silver. And and you're developing that in my life. And so I, I just say, God, even in the tough times, thank you that you're giving me an opportunity to trust you at a deeper level. And thank you that you are going to reveal yourself as a father to me in a new way. And I pray for all of those listening, they'd have the same experience and the same encounter. Amen. Amen. Oh, banning, dude. Come back all the time. Will you just come back all the time and keep doing this for us? <laughs> Done. I think you're coming on our podcast sometime, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're scheduling it now. We're going tradesies. All right. Well, mine, and I'm not saying this self, with, with self-humility, but ours is a little bit smaller than yours, so... Uh, you may need to be ready for that. Oh my gosh. No, I'm just grateful for any chance <laughs> I get to talk to you. So no, no, no. Absolutely. Um, okay. Is there anything we left out that you want to make sure you get to say, or we cover? Nope. Listen, okay. that sounds fun. Here's what I do for fun. Okay. I'm ready. Or a few things. And if I, if I cannot say Netflix, cause that feels so not spiritual to okay, say Netflix. No, However, to. <laughs> um, I love, love, love live sporting events. Yes, I love me too. live sporting events. I love going to live sporting events. I love the atmosphere of live sporting events. I like sports and competition. And I, anywhere in the, when I go to Australia, I love going to an Australian football rule league game. I love, I love, I go to cricket. I'll go anywhere. Yeah. I love live sporting events. I love sitting with people at live sporting events and just enjoying that thing. That's so right. that's probably one of my top okay. things that I just really enjoy Who's doing. Who's your team? Well, the Kings, Sacramento okay. Kings, who's who we're die hard about. And then uh, we're NorCal, so Giants and 49ers yeah. would be the other would be the teams that we support. You know, a little brutal for us this year with 49ers. Yeah. Oh, we were going in with such high hopes. And you know, one of my like bros is Tyler Beatty, who's one of the pitchers for the Giants. There you go. So we got to enter. We got to get. I think him and his wife came to um, Jesus Culture, but I'll have to double check with them and make sure y'all are connected. Well, listen, we got to go to a Giants game then. Oh but, yeah, I don't know I'm why. Coming. Live baseball is one of my favorites too. Okay, so we'll make done, it happen. We'll make you. it happen. For sure. I would love it. Thanks, Banning. All right. You're awesome, man. I look forward to connecting again. Appreciate you, Banning. We'll talk soon. Bye. All right, friends. How about that one, right? We ain't playing in this Christmas party. We are not here to play. We are here to tell the truth. I'm so thankful for Banning. Listen, if you want to follow him on social media, you can download sermons from their church, Jesus Culture, out in Sacramento. But you can also um, follow him across all the social media platforms. It is impossible to spell his last name, which he knows. And so everywhere you want to find him, Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, he's The Banning, T-H-E-B-A-N-N-I-N-G, The Banning. 
That's how you can follow him. Make sure you tell him thanks for being on the show. Share some of your favorite quotes from what he said today and use our pods hashtag that sounds fun podcast so that we can keep up with everything that's jumping out to you as well. And if you want to listen to Banning Sermons, you can go find him on your favorite, whatever podcast app got you here. You can go find him at Jesus Culture in Sacramento. They put up his sermons there as well. And his book, Rooted, that our staff read a couple of months ago is just incredible. So make sure you grab that. It's a great Christmas gift. And if you aren't already certain that you want Banning to be speaking into your life, I don't know how to help you. I mean, I don't know how to help you. So make sure you grab his book. That's the next best way. You can listen to this pod a few more times, but make sure you grab his book, Rooted, as well. I'm so grateful he was willing to be on the show today and make time for us during this busy holiday season. So I'm really, really thankful. If you need anything from me, embarrassingly easy to find as usual, Annie F. Downs, F as in festive. And that's where I am on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. I'm there for you. So let me know if I can do anything for you. My new book, Remember God, came out in October. And if you're looking for some Christmas gifts, I've got a few books that are available. And Remember God is the newest one. 100 Days to Brave is about a year old, but you can get autographed copies from Barnes and Noble in the stores, not online, in stores. And there's still a few of those left. So make sure you grab some of those. Well, you heard what Banning says he loves to do, live sporting events. And you guys know me too. That's why we're such buds because he's super wise and he loves sports. Me too, me too. So you go out and do something that sounds fun to you today and I will do the same. Y'all have a great weekend. Merry Christmas. Hey, come back. You got to come back on Monday for the show because we are talking Hallmark. We're going to talk Hallmark Christmas movies. You don't want to miss this episode. It's my friend Jamie, my friend Jen and Candace Cameron Bure. So come back. We'll see you on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.